This morning is the second sermon that I said I'd be preaching on 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This morning, just a few verses, verses 21 through 26. If you were here last Sunday morning, I began this short series of only three sermons by saying the basic truth of this portion of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is that if you belong to Christ, you will belong to the church. The two go together. Not to say it is impossible to be saved apart from the church, but ordinarily, as the church fathers confessed, one who would have God as his father must have church as his mother. Now that means, of course, that there are not only truths that we must hold, but as I said last Sunday, this is a good truth. It is, in fact, a really helpful truth. It is something that shows God's care for us. And last Sunday, I noted one of the ways in which God's care is shown for us through the church. This morning, I want to note a second one. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 21 through 26, hear the word of our gracious God. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, That there should be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. This is the word of God. I want you to pretend something with me this morning as I begin. I think for most of us, the situation I describe now is something that may be something that requires your imagination. Perhaps for others it is not. I want to imagine that in this past week you were released from prison. And this was not the first time that you were released from prison. You've been in prison a number of times. This is only the last time that you were released. And because of your frequent in and out of prison, your family has decided you are no longer trustworthy, which is perfectly understandable. And when you were released, they said to you, we're not really interested in knowing where you are. Beside the fact you were released to the community where you had friends, but these are the friends that helped you get into prison in the first time, uh, in the first place, so you had no interest in going back to them. You want a fresh start. So what do you do? You have nowhere to go. Most likely you would go to a homeless shelter. Only in this particular story, which is not purely imaginary, there were so many bed bugs at the shelter that this man, my friend that I'm referring to, ended up in the hospital from the bites being treated with antibiotics. After he was released from the hospital, he did not want to return to the homeless shelter, so he began sleeping on a park bench in the wintertime under sleeping bags. Obviously, that is not a long-term solution to your life. (laughs) That is no future. So let me ask you this morning, what would you do? 
If this is you, what would you do? Where would you go? What would be your option? You cannot go to your family. You cannot go to your friends. The homeless shelter, which is considered for many the last place, sort of the last resorts, where would you go? In the case of my friend, he ended up at a small church in a small community, knocked on the door. The pastor happened to be there, and he said, I have nowhere else to go I am a believer in Christ. Can you help me? On Labor Day, this man was married to a woman who is a believer in the Lord. He has a good job and a place to live. And if he were here this morning, I hope someday he will be here, he would say to you, the reason that I am as I am is because of God's grace poured out in the church of Jesus Christ. Or let me put it this way, this really summarizes the verses I read from 1 Corinthians 12. One of the reasons that Paul will say, if you belong to Christ, you must belong to the church, is because Jesus cares for you through the church. That's what I really want you to think about this morning One of the reasons you will belong to the church is because Jesus cares for you through the body of Christ. Literally, your family may abandon you. Society may say there is no place for you. But Jesus cares for you through the church. There are three things I want to say about that this morning. The first is the longest, and it's the most important. It comes from verses 21 through the beginning of 24. And it is that Jesus cares for us through the church in a complementary fashion. That's the first thing I want you to hear, through a complementary fashion. I don't mean that we simply complement each other. You look good this morning. You got a haircut, new glasses. You look really well put together. Those are nice things to say to each other. But by complementary, I don't mean that. I mean it is that God in his wisdom has so knit this body together that we have the ability to care for each other. That's what he means. Let me note again from verses 21 and following how he says that. He says, hey, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, he says every part is designed by God to fit together so that every part needs the other parts that are there. In fact, he says, here's an example. The parts that seem dispensable are not dispensable. They're indispensable. The parts that are less honorable, we actually give greater honor to. Or to put it this way, as I noted last Sunday, there are no extra parts in the church. All of us are called within the body to be part of the body, not simply to receive, but in order that we might care for those who are around us. Now that might not seem like a revolutionary truth, but I simply want to note something to you. This is not how most of humanity functions. (laughs) Maybe you've experienced that. Maybe you've been in a business culture Maybe, in fact, you're a salesman, and your job is to make sure you meet your quarterly marks for sales. You're getting close to the end of the quarter, and you need to make sales in order to meet your mark. Who are you likely to go visit? The company that buys just a few thousand dollars every year, 
or you're likely to go to the company that spends hundreds of thousands of dollars with you, who are you more likely to wine and dine? The guy who really can't do much about you meeting your quarterly marks or the company that if you wine and dine might place that big order and you're going to meet your mark, you are obviously going to be attracted to the person who has more power and ability to do what you need from them. Can I just state an obvious truth, and that is in humanity, many of our relationships are built on a quid quo pro relationship. That is, you do something for me, and I'll do something in return. That's not necessarily bad. In fact, if you've been to law school and you've had contracts class, that's the basics of contracts. Something given for something exchanged. But within the church of Jesus Christ, Paul says... There is a different principle in order. And that is not we're caring for each other because we're going to receive something from someone else at a certain point. I'm not giving to you because I want something from you. No, within the church of Jesus Christ, we've been placed here from the greatest to the one that we would consider the least, the most honorable to the least honorable, the most desirable to the least desirable. We have been placed within the church of Jesus Christ by God's divine plan in an order to care for each other. I could literally go through in my mind many examples of observing this in play. The interesting thing about these examples is that many of them would not be, they wouldn't be appropriate to mention because to do so would actually in some way be dishonoring to those who are involved. But I think it is good to simply note to you that you feel, if you've come here this morning and you feel like, I'm the least, I'm not an honorable person, I'm not great, I'm not powerful, I don't give a lot, I don't know why it is that God has placed me within the church. I want to say two things to you this morning. First, we exist as a church to honor you, to care for you, to provide for you. You are not an extra member. You're not somebody on the side. You're not somebody who sort of we tolerate, and we're sort of glad you show up, but it really doesn't matter that much. No, this morning I say to you, based with the, on the Word of God and with the voice of Christ, even if you say, I'm not very honorable in the church of Jesus Christ, we honor you. We do. Because you belong to Jesus. And if Jesus lay down his life for you, my brother or sister, there is absolutely no way that we would ever pass by you and say, well, you're just not very important. You're not to be honored and cared for. You're simply disposable. The other thing I would say to you this morning is that you not only are in the church to be cared for, but also to care for others. Do you realize that even though you might think to yourself, I have very little to offer, that's never true? I've noted to you in the past, my dear grandmother, who at 96 years of age was deaf and blind. Her memory was very short. But my dear grandmother, when I would go to visit her, she would say, I don't know why I'm even here. Why am I here? I have nothing to offer to people. I'm sort of just occupying space until the time that I die. Why would I be here? Do you know my grandmother, 
who felt like she had nothing to offer, had worlds to offer? I think I repeated to her the words of James at least half a dozen times. James says, you know what James says? James says the powerful, effective prayer of the righteous man does what? What? Avails much. It does something. It is not nothing. It's not little. It's not just something on the side. If you have the ability to even pray for someone, and that's all you have, let alone all the upper opportunities to serve, if all you can do is bow your head and pray for others within the body of Christ, you are indispensable. You are not excess. You're critical. There's a very clear reason, I think, why Paul emphasizes this so clearly in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. That within the church, we're called to care for each other. And we do so in a complementary fashion. God has knit together the gifts and the ability of the church in order that we can provide for each other. There's a reason why Paul emphasizes that in this passage, and I want to emphasize it as well. It comes not solely in this passage, but it captures a great truth of the Bible. One of the key, one of the key things to understand about the gospel of Jesus Christ is that it comes motivated by the love and mercy of our God. To really understand the gospel is to say we do not deserve it. We have not earned it. There's nothing that we have done that the Lord would look at you and say, well, you're good looking, well put together, wonderful person. I'm going to save you. No, the Lord Lord looks upon us, seeing us as we truly are, as sinners who would run far from him, those who have hard hearts often, those who want their own, who are selfish. And the Lord looks at you and says, I'm going to save you because I'm a merciful God. I will change your heart. That mercy of God is meant to be not only spoken from this pulpit week after week after week after week, that mercy is also meant to be illustrated in the life of this body. It is, tangibly. To the point that sometimes when you wonder, does God really love me? Does he really care for me? Does he have a mercy for me? You can look at the way in which the church cares for those who are in need and say, yes, I can see it. It's there. To quote one apologist who spoke maybe 15 years ago, he said, in a cruel world, the greatest apologetic that the church can give the world is the words of Jesus when he said, look at how much they love each other. That has always been the testimony of the church from the earliest times. In a cruel and brutal world, we are called to be living examples of the mercy of God. My wife isn't here this morning. She wasn't able to come if she would. She'd be able to tell you this story this past week. My wife and I were at an ice cream shop sitting there in chairs. This old man wandered by. 82 years old, I came to learn later. There was an extra chair next to us, and we looked friendly, so we sat down, and for the next half hour, he gave us his life story. Do you know where his life story concluded? He said, I've lived in this place, Cascade, 
for 82 years. Cascade has changed tremendously. He could tell us where the gravel pit was, where the old filling station was, where the mom and pop grocery store was, but he says the greatest change that I've seen in this city is not where businesses are located, but in the cruelty of the people. If that's true in Grand Rapids, Michigan, where people smile a lot and they don't really try to break into your home very often, if that's true in Grand Rapids, Michigan, imagine what life is like for people in so many other places where there's so much cruelty. What does the Bible say to us? It says to us, we belong to the church Because it's the place where the mercy of Jesus Christ is not only spoken, it is lived. And we can see the complementary fashion in which that mercy is lived out. I rejoice. I can't tell you how much I rejoice being the pastor of a church where I see that happen. It's not true in everywhere. I know you might be one of those who thinks, I could really use that mercy and I've been neglected. If that's true, I'd love to know that. Our deacons would love to know that. But I can see illustrations of that kind of kindness and mercy over and over and over and over again. Praise the Lord. It's beautiful. It says to me that the Spirit of Christ is here. And that is nothing to pass by quickly. No, it's something to rejoice. I'm going to leave this portion of my sermon, the first and the longest portion, by reading to you about the mercy of God from Ezekiel chapter 16, verses 4 through 6. You might think, I have no idea how this explains the mercy of God. But listen, God speaking to the Israelites says, And as for your birth and the day that you were born, your cord was not cut, nor were you washed with water to cleanse you, nor rubbed with salt, nor wrapped in swaddling clothes. No, I pitied you to do any of these things to you out of compassion for you, but you were cast out in the open field. You were abhorred on the day that you were born. And when I passed by you and saw you wallowing in your blood, I said to you in your blood, live! And I said to you in your blood, I will make you live. That is the most graphic description of the mercy of God for the Old Testament saints that I find in the Old Testament. And here's the thing, the mercy of God for the saints in the New Testament is even greater. Is it not? And that is why you ought to belong to the church. Because in the church we're called to care for each other in a way that no other institution in the world is capable of doing. Let me go on to number two. Not only is the care for Christ church shown to you in a complementary fashion, it also comes from God himself. That is, it is divine. Look at the end of verse 24 into verse 25. It says, But God so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. I simply want to point out this very simple truth, and that is the church has been established and been composed by God himself. Or if I can make it more specific, you are within the body of Christ because God has placed you here. 
Or if I can even be more specific, you are a member of this church because God has placed you here. I know that may look like your decision. I chose to be a member of this church. I went to that membership class. I made the vows. And even though that may be true from your perspective, let me just lift your eyes so that you can see it wasn't simply your choice that brought you here. This was God who brought you here. If this is his world and his control, we are not only his workmanship individually, this body is his workmanship as well. Let me just encourage you to think about that truth in regard to a very important question. And the question is, should I always be connected to a church or to a particular church, to this church? It's a rather sensitive question. In fact, I've reflected a lot on that over the last four years. I've never been in a place in the world where people move churches so much. From one place to the next, change a church like you change your shirt or your gym membership. (laughs) Now that's not to say there aren't legitimate reasons to move from one church to the next. Some of them are obvious. You get a job in California or in New York City, you're not going to remain at a member of a church in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And there are times where the church that you may be attending has serious theological error or moral error that is not being corrected. In fact, let me go further. If there is ever great moral error or doctrinal error in this church, not only should you leave, I will be leading the charge. We should leave. But to leave a church should not be easy. It should bother you. It should feel a bit like losing a finger. It should hurt that much. Why? Because in the church... We care for each other in a way that demonstrates a commitment. We want to love each other, not just when we show up on Sunday and we worship together. We want to love each other with a love that goes beyond a moment of worship to being involved in each other's lives so we can disciple each other to growth. You cannot grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ without two key components, without the Word of God and the church of Jesus Christ. And this church of Jesus Christ that Paul is talking about here in 1 Corinthians 12 is composed in places and times by God's divine choice. And in order for a church to care well for the members around, for those who are around you this morning, you need to have a commitment to each other. Just like if you have a friend, sometimes you have to have that conversation where you say, I haven't seen you in a while. What's going on? Are we still friends? Or maybe you're in that tender moment where you're dating now and you have that dreaded define the relationship conversation. How many of you remember that? Because you're judging commitments. You need to know, are we going to belong together? I want to care for you. I want to love you. But are we going to do that together? The church is the same way. If I can be rather bold, outside of bad theology and unrepentant sinful morality, I think there's nothing that hurts the ministry of the church more than the easy leaving we often experience in the church. It leaves scars. 
that are long-term. The third thing I want to point out to you about the care we give to each other in the church comes from the last verse. It is complimentary, it is divine, but it also is genuine. Look at verse 26. It says, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Maybe you read that verse and you think, well, that's a very obvious, Apostle Paul, of course, if we're all joined together, if you've got a finger and you hurt it, the whole body hurts. I get it. So what are you emphasizing here? What Paul is emphasizing in verse 26, and this is the third and last thing I want you to remember about this passage, is that it is not merely theoretical, but when there's joy that happens in the body, we actually rejoice together. When there is pain that happens in the body, we actually suffer together. It's pretty easy to hold abstract theological truths in common if we never feel like they affect us. This is not one of those truths. If you've ever been in my office, maybe you've been there, and you've sat on the couch and noticed that there is a giant box of tissues on the table in front of you. (laughs) I guess there's two possibilities why that might exist. One may be that I make people cry. (laughs) The other is that often when we talk together, there are very serious and difficult things going on in life, and we're suffering together. I cannot exercise good pastoral care without, in a certain sense, suffering along with you. Do you realize that? It isn't that we just talk it through and try to seek a solution. Much of the ministry of the church is simply suffering through things that do not have an easy solution. It's true. If you've got a long-term cancer diagnosis, you can come to my office. I have no magic wand to wave over you and say, cancer be gone. It's going to be gone. You know what we're going to do? We're going to pray about it. We're going to read the scriptures together. We're going to lament and we're going to suffer together. That's what we're going to do. And Paul says at the end of the book of Ephesians in chapter 6, we do bear each other's burdens in that regard. And you know how much better that is than bearing it alone? It is not healthy within church to simply say, I'm fine all the time. Sometimes that's an appropriate answer. You're just passing by. How are you? I'm fine. But if our relationship with each other never goes past the fine stage to the how are we actually doing, how can we rejoice and suffer together, something is fundamentally wrong. And I say that based on the word of God that says if one member suffers, who suffers? We all suffer together. If one member rejoices, we all rejoice together. If I can just put it this way, you can judge the health of a church in one respect by how much suffering as well as rejoicing we do together. If we cannot suffer and we cannot rejoice, it probably means that as a body we are not well knit together. Friends, I've noted before and I want to note again as I close the sermon. I am incredibly honored to be a member of this church. (laughs) I'm going to tell you a little something I wouldn't have always said, and maybe it's just a secret between me and 300 of my closest friends this morning. (laughs) There have been times in the past when I've been part of churches where I would have never encouraged people to come. Is that an awful truth? And the reason was not because there wasn't good theology. 
It wasn't because we didn't sing the right songs. It wasn't because our book of church order was wrong. (laughs) It was because I had little confidence in our ability to care for each other within the church of Jesus Christ. And that's why I tell you, even if I was not the pastor here, if for some reason I could no longer be the pastor, I'd still be a member here. (laughs) Maybe you think that's weird. Of course you would. I mean, here you are. Nope, I still would be. Because along with firm conviction about the truth of God, praise the Lord, and a desire to administer the sacraments well, to hold each other accountable, what I have experienced in this church over and over is our willingness to care for each other in a way that demonstrates the mercy of Christ. Why should you belong to the church? Because the church is the place where Jesus cares for you. Would you join me in prayer? Father, we want what your word says to be true. I'm very conscious as I've spoken these words that not everyone has had the same experience within the church. Frankly, Lord, I haven't either. But we are counting on your grace, really the divine lordship of our Savior Jesus, the one who's ruling from the right hand of the Father at this moment, the one that we are exalting and lifting high, the one for whom all of history is leading to his enthronement. This Jesus with his power has said in his word this morning that the church is the place where he cares for us. And we rejoice where we see that to be true. We mourn where it is not. And we pray that within our body, where it is not the case, that you would bring us to deep repentance and show us how that might be different. Lord, we praise you for your word. Now we pray for your spirit who has given us these words to now work these truths deep within our hearts to change us and mold us to follow after our Savior. It is in his name that we pray. Amen.